Hello and welcome to the Raider Wave podcast. I am your host, Joe Helsing. It is Friday, September 30th, 2022, and we are just a couple days away from this Raiders-Denver game, hopefully the get-right game for the Raiders for the season. Uh, A lot of stuff to go over uh, since our last episode. You know, so many different places to start. Uh, We'll go into injury report first because there are some key pieces missing uh, this weekend going into Sunday. Um, Then we'll kind of go into, you know, some matchups of Denver. Right before that, we are going to have to talk about Derek Carr again. I don't want to do it, but I guess we kind of have to. But look, man, I think you guys are probably just as tired of it as I am at this point. So we're not going to spend a bunch of time on it. But with some of this Dan Orlovsky stuff that's going on, we're just going to address it really quick. Um, after we do that matchup, we'll probably be looking at uh, some of the AFC greater picture kind of going into uh, the rest of this week four here. Um, obviously, some of these industri- injuries going around the league right now kind of changes the way this AFC playoff picture can kind of work out. You know, all hope is not lost. So let's jump over to this injury report. Um, so some big losses this Sunday. Uh, Rockus Sin will be out as well as Hunter Renfro still on that concussion protocol. Uh, so that's going on two weeks now. But real, real big missing factor this week will be uh, tight end Foss Moreau ruled out with a knee injury. Um, you know, Moreau's been, we kind of touched on him a little bit last week, but, you know, key essential, you know, tight end two guy, big blocking tight end. He's even lined up in the backfield on a couple of plays. Um, you know, kind of like a safety blanket guy uh, for Carr a little bit. I mean, we all know, uh, Foster Moreau's accolades and what he adds to the team, you know. Um, Nate Hobbs was a full participant today, so it says dealing with a concussion throughout the week. Um, we'll see where he's at. He has no official status yet for Sunday. Uh, Denzel Perryman and Trayvon Morig also no official status yet, but both uh, participants uh, yesterday and today, Friday. So a lot of hope there. Um, you know, if Perry Mac- Perryman can come back this uh, Sunday, that'd be crucial right now. Uh, we'd kind of talked that the defense was kind of missing that piece in the middle of the field anyways, and this guy, I think, can really be that missing piece that the defense needs. Because, look, you know, Denver's going to be running the ball. They should be running the ball uh, pretty regularly. So um be nice to have him back. Rakia Sin has been ruled out or questionable. And so that could be Rakia Sin and uh, Nate Hobbs both out. And Sam Webb, who was kind of filling in um, in that role last week as a kind of depth guy, he's also questionable for Sunday too. So cornerbacks could be kind of an issue um, going into Sunday. Hopefully squares itself up. Uh, hopefully at least Hobbs can play. Um, you know, that would be just to have a, a viable guy on Cortland Sutton. But, you know, we'll see what happens. And sort of on that note, uh, the Raiders have – signed uh Mateus Farley from the practice squad up to uh 53-man roster that was yesterday so um corresponding move they waived what was his name Isaiah Palomao so safety coming in for some secondary help obviously we're going to be a little thinned up thinned out right there um kind of concerning but you know look and McDaniels did address this today um, in like a post-presser. Um, you know, he was kind of asked about cornerback depth, if that was a concern, if that's why, um, you know, he was signed up from the practice squad. 
And, you know, he did speak highly of Amik Robinson. I guess um, Amik Robinson has been playing pretty well. Um, and, I mean, he did have an interception earlier in the year. So, um, And, you know, he did kind of state that basically everybody on the team, you know, they all kind of encourage that everybody has a right to be there. Um, they're there for a reason. You know, they saw something in them. So that type of um, messaging kind of went through. So you don't really know how much of that is uh, sincere or if it just kind of goes into coach speak. But I think he feels pretty good about the cornerback uh, depth at this time. And I, and that's probably also because I feel like he thinks Nate Hobbs is probably going to play. So, um, you know, we'll kind of go into looking at Denver now. Um, you know, we talked about Derek Carr. We've talked about Derek Carr a couple of times. You know, we've talked about what sense of urgency, things like that, you know, decision making, mostly at the line of scrimmage what he's going through as far as reads and progressions. And, you know, Arlovsky did talk today, or um, not today, earlier in the week. You know, he he went as far to use some of these um, examples. You know, we spoke about the second half, and basically if uh, Adams was lined up to the left side, um, you know, Carr would basically just roll out and not even be, or not roll out, but, you know, drop back, have his back to that left side the whole time, not even be looking over there and kind of throwing to just that right side or, you know, checking it out, checking it down. So, you know, that was something we addressed, and that was just Carr, I guess, feeling rushed, um, more or less. I don't think he's not targeting Devontae Adams. You know, uh, I heard a uh, Rich Gannon presser from earlier in the week, and, you know, he he, he was talking about the Raiders and what was really going on, and, he you know, he, he kind of gave Carr the benefit of the doubt that, you know, look, this O-line is terrible, and, um, you know, we all know that Carr does better when he, you know, feels confident in that, in that pocket that he can step up in. And, and the, you know, the, there's concerns all over the offensive line, but, you know, those guard positions are kind of in that center of the line and having that pocket collapsing, especially against Tennessee with that internal pass rush. You know, I mean, those, these are viable, you know, excuses, criticisms, whatever, for maybe why Carr can be off, you know, target or off or out of sync or, you know, we can make excuses, we can do all this stuff. And I just kind of want to like address this directly because I feel like it kind of goes without saying that if you can objectively look at the Raiders and objectively view Carr, you know what his limits are and you don't expect a whole lot from him. And you know, at the end of the day, he's probably better to have than trying to find somebody that can do half the things he can do regularly for you. So, you know, as much as we can not car or whatever and and you know vent our frustrations towards some of his imperfections it's almost a mute point especially at this point of the season of the year and everything just because look we're we're already off the ground you know we're three games in uh we don't you know car is probably better than stidham you know i know i mentioned you know maybe bringing stidham in for some of these reps just to get pace of play and speed of play and stuff like that going on but i don't really see that dynamic going down but, you know, it was mentioned on another Raiders, uh, you know, radio show earlier in the week. So then I went and kind of found and looked at some of his contract details. And look, so profootballnetwork.com has just kind of a breakdown of this Derek Carr extension that he just signed. So his next year salary cap hit is $19.4 million, But of that, 17.4 is his base salary. So that difference, so there's a lot of, it's a pretty easy contract to move off of. Um, from the Raiders' point of view and from, you know, an opposing team's point of view as well. You know, taking on just a 19-4 mil. And, you know, we I guess technically we lose a little bit as well because there's a signing bonus worked in there. 
Um, there's also like a workout bonus. You know, I mean, there's some extra thing in there. The signing bonus, I think he already received, obviously, in the signing. So, you know, I, I'm not sure the, the specific details of that. But, you know, that was kind of brought up. And I think that is interesting as well because, you know, they're going to use Derek Carr for this year. That is the plan. You know what I mean? What that plan looks like going forward, we'll kind of see, you know. Um, that cap hit changes if he gets hurt and there's some other things going on. But, I mean, look, that being said, you know, it's it's a mute point to just sit here and criticize Carr. I mean, if, if we see significant breakdowns and this thing's just completely done, then yes, hopefully maybe, you know, we'll be addressing that issue there. But I don't really foresee that being an issue. I think this thing's going to get going. I'm kind of done talking about the downfalls or pitfalls of, of Derek Carr because as limiting as some of his abilities are and they seem like they're hurdles, all this guy has to do is be able to get his head right, take a, have a little bit more confidence in the pocket to be able to do some reads and not, you know, feel move quickly, move faster, have that pace of play, but not f- seem as rushed or as rigid or any of these other things. You know, find your flow, bro, get into it. That's what we'd all like to see. You know, that's that's what these people are paying money for. That's what this whole thing's about. All right. So that's it. You know, we will exercise the car demons. We do not need to hate on this dude. This is a uh, a team that is built around the concept of winning. You know, that's the slogans of just win, baby, all this stuff. You know, we'll we'll conjure some of those elements going into the fall here. You know, this will be the first game in October. Maybe that's all we need. Hey, we just don't win. We just don't win September games in 2022. That's maybe how it's going to be. That that's how it happened this time. Real games. We won preseason. Nothing's perfect. All right, moving on. Some of this Denver matchups here. Look, another winnable game. You guys know this. It's it's laughable that Denver has two wins right now, and yet here we are. Um, Look, we talked earlier on in the season, first game, first episode, um, you know, surprising uh, about looking at some of these uh, stats from 2021 about Denver because, you know, don't remember them being that good, but they still had uh, pretty high ranking. I think they were like third or fourth in the league last year for uh, points allowed on defense. Well, this year, already they're second allowed in points on defense. So 36 points allowed all year. Okay. Okay. that San Francisco game was sloppy. I mean, look, they played Geno Smith, um, which, you know, you want Geno Smith to be really good. I really, I, I don't have any problem with that. I think that would be awesome. But that's just, you know, how it goes sometimes. Sometimes people, you know, you're just not the dude. It's chill, you know. I wish Ryan Fitzpatrick won the Super Bowl every year. You know what I mean? How cool would that be? You know, what are these, what are we even talking about here? <laughs> um Look, we know that Denver's had their offensive struggles going into this year. Um, good old Nathaniel Hackett's been <sighs> plugging away, man. But, you know, he had to admit some of those mistakes of his own week one. He brought in a dude from uh, Baltimore to kind of help with some game-time decisions. You know, he's trying to make some adjustments here. And really, besides their running backs, I mean, the only wide receiver they basically have right now is Cortland Sutton. Um, so we'll... We'll see Jerry Judy's questionable. He may be coming back, I think, this week. Uh, we'll look into the injury report right now. Actually, that's a great little segue here. See what the Denver Broncos got to tell us about who's playing, who's not playing. Okay, so looks like Darius Phillips, who's the corner that plays opposite end of uh, Patrick Sertan, the second. Um, 
he's out, so that offers us some secondary, uh, I guess, help on the Denver side of it, if that makes any sense. Denver's secondary is a little bit banged up. Um, that was the only real notable injury. Uh, Cortland Sutton's plan, Jerry Judy's plan, Melvin Gordon, who's been questionable all week, still questionable, full participant on practice today. So Melvin Gordon will probably play in the backfield, looks like. Um, and, you know, we talked briefly about Denver's defense, but their secondary is pretty good, honestly. Um, they are kind of praising this matchup right now with uh, Patrick Sertan and um, Devontae Adams just because they are both highly skilled. But I think that, you know, we can definitely – one, I think Devontae can usually take anybody, and I think that he's going to be driven to do so in this matchup as it is. In this matchup, in this game, back in Vegas – you know, poor outing last time in Vegas, 0-3, chip on his shoulder, the whole deal, like, don't talk to me, just let me ball type of deal. That's like straight up Kevin Durant. That's what I'm thinking right now, you know. Um, so, dude, look, we all know what we need to do on offense, right? We can we can talk about isolated matchups and all this stuff. We need this thing to just be functioning, you know what I mean? We need this team playing together. We need this to see some sort of pace of play, some type of you know, legit, um, you know, direction and identity going into this game. You know, this is going to be week four. Um, and this used to be a quarter into the season. It's roughly a quarter into the season as it is. You know, and if we don't lose this game, we go 0-4 going into Kansas City on a Monday night. You know, that's all we need is to get lit up, you know, by Kansas City three touchdowns in the first, you know, quarter uh, to just be completely embarrassed and just, you know what I mean? Like we were talking about, character development of this team going forward how these guys feel about themselves the type of football they want to play the type of will they want to impose on their teams that's not how we do it right so that we know how essential this matchup is i think we're all kind of tired of trying to him and haw about why it's not too bad that we're 0 three and i mean look we can go we'll go through some of these power rankings right now because the raiders are ranked pretty you know we're not ranked the bottom and everything we know how skilled we are um, so it's all about, you know, creating these opportunities and getting this confidence back into the team. You know, that begins with Carr. We're not going to knock Carr anymore. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's neither here nor there. We know what his shortcomings are. We're not here to expose them. We're here to identify them and move forward. You know what I mean? So look, um, as it is, it looks like Andre James is coming back. We already talked about that. So Parm will probably play that right guard position. Uh, looks like right now in depth charts, Illuminor is back on the right tackle side. So, you know, that should be enough. Uh, Colton Miller should be playing better. But look, I mean, are we going to see Thayer Mumford get swapped in there in the middle of the game? Hopefully not. I mean, look, you know, McDaniels, you know, addressed this yet again saying, you know, it is a process. He doesn't want to be doing it this way. You know, that wasn't the design plan. You know, theoretically, there was a, le- a level of talent in this first-round draft pick, uh, Leatherwood, when he showed up here. So I'm sure, you know, the offensive line wasn't as big as a, as big of a concern as it's turned out to be. But, look, we're managing it. We're going through it. At this point, we're not to expect, you know, we're not expecting too much here. I think that we can get some of the movement in the line that we need to establish a good run game, you know, so maybe running away from Bradley Chubb, you know, doing some pulls more than likely. It's probably going to be Jesper uh, Horstead coming in uh, to replace Foss Moreau. You know, what, what are these, some of these 12 personnel sets look like? Um, 
Denver, in theory, has the players to offer some challenges for the Raiders' offense, especially because they've already struggled to get going already in the season. But look, also historically, traditionally, and even recent history, Denver has not been playing well against um, Vegas, and Carr has had you know pretty regular games against them, and the Raiders have been able to run the ball pretty effectively against Denver. So look, we keep talking about it. We keep talking about wanting to run the ball. Josh McDaniels always kind of comes out, says, you know, hey, we really like to do it more, uh, but, you know, we were just playing from behind or we had to score points or whatever. Hey, this is a perfect opportunity. You know what I mean? I'm not too worried about um, some of the issues that, some of the offensive issues that Denver presents as being a, a problem for us to kind of maybe just flex the run game for a little bit because Derek Carr right now, I mean, he needs a game to build confidence. He needs a run game to build the play action to build to get the game to build the confidence right we all know that we we know that he performs better under play action if we look at his uh stats right now into the season his overall offensive grade is 60.7 with a pass grade of 58.6 all right so when we look at his you know offensive snaps with a play action right now his total offense goes up to 81.8 and his pass grade jumps up to 77.3, okay? If we go no play action, now we're looking at 54.2% offensive, 53.2. All right, so now you can see the same deal. Screen pass goes up a little bit. Now we're at 63.64, no screen, 60.58. So when we say we need to run the ball, this is why, Right? We, we would love to run the football just because we need to you know win that line of, line of scrimmage, get some of those pace of play games, you know those big chunk plays, get the energy up, go in a little bit high tempo, but build the play action, right? So we now we have a little bit more definitive data. I mean, look, uh, the attempts, we got 17, 17 attempts uh, with play action and 103 attempts with no play action on the season. So a little bit of skewed data here, but... We have seen that it's effective to at least let them think you're running the football, right? And just to give a little bit of context, since we're already kind of here, right now, number one total offensively ranked quarterbacks in the league, Lamar Jackson at 81. You know, so that's you know over an 81 percent you know running proficiency and 75 percent passing proficiency. Right under him is Tua. Then we got Jalen Hurts, Jacoby Brissett. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. So, you know, these guys are all kind of riding around that right now in the league, right now, you know, three games in, um, you know, low 80s, high 70s, okay? Tom Brady's at 11 with 72. So Derek's overall 23rd. So this isn't word as law over here. We know uh, that we've had some offensive struggles. This is just for context. And really more reasoning for why we need to establish a more balanced offense, a little bit more up-tempo run game. I don't even know if that's a real thing at this point, but I feel like it should be. Um, just the way some of these things are going. Uh, look, jumping over to the other side of the ball, Denver has struggled offensively. We know that. Uh, Cortland Sutton um, has kind of become the de facto number one wide receiver. Jerry Judy, number two. So look, hope, no, if we don't have Nate Hobbs, we can see a significant you know, issue with some of these deep balls that Russell Wilson loves to, loves to throw. And, you know, Russell Wilson hasn't been able to really move around in the pocket the way he historically has, especially early in the season where he usually gets his higher, um, 
you know, high, higher statistical games, you know, usually plays better in the, in the early part of the season, the last couple of years. Um, you know, he hasn't been showing that mobility yet in this season. He's a little bit rigid. He, he seems uncomfortable. Um, and you haven't really seen him extend the plays the way he has been able to in the past. But look, the Raiders struggled significantly against Kyler Murray with, with some of that BS. We know all of that. So, you know, Russ is, I guess, you know, a little bit older, a little bit slower, hopefully. And when we look at who Crosby's going up against, you know, this guy went up against uh, Nick Bosa last week. Uh, just got thrashed by him, you know, let up a lot of pressures, you know, really struggled in pass protection. So big opportunity for Max. Look, um, right now Max has uh, – Two sacks on the year, tied for 20th in the league. Two, for, two forced fumbles, tied for first in the league. Uh, 14 solo tackles, tied for first in the league. And an overall player grade of 91.1. Dude's going off. He's probably the most consistent player week in, week out that plays at such a high level. I mean, we have plenty of consistent, you know, work hard guys. I think everybody on the team more or less has a pretty good ethos as far as like working hard and um, you know, putting in the extra effort, but Crosby's just in a league of his own right now, as far as being able to maintain a, a pretty significant impact with you know that that high level of effort. So, look, we know all this stuff, all right. What really would we would like to see is that you know Perryman comes back, he feels good, he looks good, he's sharp, he kind of controls that middle of the field, and freaking chandler jones comes in and plays a full 60 minutes of football like everybody likes to say now in the raiders yeah he comes in and plays a complete game he actually has an impact um you know he, he hasn't shown any sort of real energy going into this game i know that we're going to be a little banged up on secondary we talked about that going into this matchup um rust does have potential this denver team is kind of hungry to you know, continue. I mean, they have two wins right now. That's just insane that they have this sort of advantage right now in the division um, going into this game. So it's such a crucial, crucial game for the Raiders. They know that we need a significant homestand. We really need to make a big, you know, stand and to right this ship straight up. I mean, because if we come out and we have a phenomenal looking offense, no one's going to even be, you know, no one's going to be, you know, throwing shade. No one's going to be making excuses or any of this other stuff. They're going to be excited to see it because everybody wants to see that because there's nothing like the talent that we have right now that is that you know the potential to be unlocked is unlike some of the other things we've seen. I mean like look, for as flashy as some teams have been, I think that the Raiders can kind of go toe to toe with some of these, you know, abilities, all right? So as long as we get just a balanced attack on offense, the potential is there. I think that we have a, a very good, you know, chance to win this game again. I don't think any, that's out of anybody's room. Uh, we're going to kind of take a minute here to pause, and then we'll kind of look at the AFC as a whole. You know, we'll get a little bit more context of this game, kind of where the Raiders stack up and everybody. Because you'd be surprised being 0-3 that we actually have a little bit more of a likelihood to make the playoffs than some other teams in the league. So more to uncover. Right, we're going to take a minute here to look at what the AFC looks like after 
three weeks, so three weeks and a game after last night's Cincinnati-Miami game. Seems like a good place to start off. Uh, Miami takes their first loss in the season. We have all this stuff with Tua now. Um, organizationally, Miami kind of went through some stuff over the summer. This doesn't really help with it. Um, today, I think they fired their doctor. Um so we're, this is going to be an ongoing issue. We're going to see what's up with Tua. Um, I mean, look, this could turn into something. This couldn't. This is just something to monitor as it goes on. We know how these can, these things these things can kind of disrupt teams as the season goes on. Um, also, you know, we can kind of look a little bit further down the road for Miami. Uh, Tua has had issues with injury in the past, even going into you know this injury this concussion thing this back thing um yes Miami looks really good yes Mike McDaniel's a cool dude um but I think there was a level of concern uh maybe as well that look I mean this this is the Dolphins playing you know how how are they going to perform in December playing in Buffalo how are they going to play in New England and you know in cold weather or, or you know going to Kansas City um you know so you know, there's, I mean, obviously you cross that bridge when you get there, but still, you know, there's a little bit more, uh, I guess, ability to kind of lean back onto Buffalo and Kansas City as on some of these power rankings go. If we look right now, this is pro football focus. Uh, this is just percent chance to make the playoffs for all teams in the AFC. Uh, top three are Buffalo, Kansas City, and then Miami. So that's it after that that includes last night's game for Miami and uh, Cincinnati in this thing. We're just going to keep going down the list. Right below that, we got Cleveland, then Cincinnati. So already we got two teams in the AFC North, and then we have Denver at six and Baltimore at tied at six with a 52% chance to make the playoffs. This is just a chance to make the playoffs. So already three teams from the AFC North in there. So Cincinnati's starting to look a little bit better. Cleveland, like I was saying uh, last week, you know, looking a little bit better than I thought they were going to be. I thought uh, it was kind of like same old business. I think that they, I thought they sort of missed their window. I think that they had a lot of complementary pieces that weren't really working together. You know, uh, Nick Chubb's pretty solid. I think Miles Garrett's a freaking machine, dude. That guy's a, a monster. Um, but they've actually been able to, you know, substantiate some critical success across. You know, Amari Cooper looks like he actually wants to play football. So look, you know, hats off to them, I guess. We'll see what happens with this whole Deshaun Watson thing. The the whole thing is just kind of bizarre. I don't know how they're going to handle it if they actually are successful, and it is what it is. I guess it's just kind of the way these things go sometimes. Um, look, so the way this. We can kind of look at this as the AFC North is probably trending a little bit better than maybe was projected early on in the year. Uh, we also know that the AFC West is sort of underperforming based on projections, um, partly partly or maybe all in due to the Raiders. <laughs> um, kind of skewing the facts here, or these, some, some of these early numbers. But um, so we're starting to see a little bit of molding here going on, but at the same time, uh, you know, Buffalo and Kansas City look to be just still kind of you know, strong in a way, the favorites on just total offense, some complete teams. We did see Kansas City fall this past week to Indianapolis, um, which may have come as a big surprise. Uh, we There was a little bit of uh, issue there with Mahomes and uh, Benemy. 
you know, some back and forth there. I mean, they came out totally outright and said that, yeah, Mahomes was like, yeah, I'm trying to light these guys up. This guy's trying to, you know what I mean, throttle the, throttle the tank here, you know, more, more or less. So, um, I mean, look, Kansas City is what it is. I think I think that we know what to expect from them, and if if they can be healthy healthy at the right time, I mean, look, their ability to score points is probably like the closest thing to like the Warriors or something like the Golden State Warriors. You know what I mean? Where they can just like you think you think you're there. You think you know you're you're matched up well. You you feel like you know you feel like all right, cool, yeah, yeah, we got this. And then before you know it, you know they've 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 put three touchdowns on you. And you don't know, you know, left from right, and they do it so quickly. I mean, it, it has changed a little bit with no Tyreek Hill. I think they are missing that speed. But look, the the game that Kansas City and Buffalo are playing right now is seems to be significantly better. I mean, Miami, you know, beat Buffalo. They have significant skill makers. I think right now, though, until we really know what the hell's going on with uh, some of these issues with this whole Tua thing, you know, we're just going to have to play all, everything by ear because this is just, I mean, this this could totally unravel the entire team. So, and it's Miami, so it's it's totally believable that it could happen. Um, you know, so kind of looking back at the AFC North picture, Baltimore, I think, is kind of better than their record indicates. That was just almost like a fluke, not, not to knock Miami now that we, you know, we're not going to completely pivot 100% on them. But you, the likelihood of being able to, you know, do that again, you know, score what three touchdowns or four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, you know, two in the last final seconds or whatever. You know, I mean that that is not, you know, that doesn't travel well. It doesn't carry well over time. You can't really rely on that to win games consistently. Jacksonville's looking to be a little bit better. Looks like Doug Peterson is kind of giving the old sunshine a little bit of confidence there. Um I mean there was there was a lot of speculation going in the year with Doug Peterson, his ability to use tight ends and, you know, help quarterbacks and all this type of thing that we were going to see uh, a, a vast improvement in Jacksonville. I think what we got a little bit of a volume fr- or notice from was that, uh, you know, Arden Key playing defense there in that preseason game. They had Josh Allen playing out there too, you know, the, the defensive Josh Allen. So they actually have some pretty defensive, pretty good defensive pieces as well. And they're, they are getting a little bit of, um, you know, early attention traction as one of these teams out of the AFC South. Last last week, maybe two weeks ago, I mentioned that the AFC South was going to be the final indicator for the final wild card. I think I kind of misspoke on that. I, I kind of meant to say that, like, that's the worst division, and then, you know, that'll be the – that divisional winner may have the worst record type of deal. Looking at it now, I mean, it's still too early to say. Indianapolis can actually turn into something functional – um, they're out, they're able to put out some good shines. I mean, Matt Ryan looked probably more surprised than anybody that that game went the way it did. So look, I, I mean, Matt Ryan has capability. I mean, that offensive line is is good. Um, you know, Jonathan Taylor has they have they have ability. They have sk- skill makers. They have you know they have playmakers. So Indianapolis should be better. Jacksonville has the potential. We saw what Tennessee is. I think they're kind of middling. I don't think they had a real effective. I mean, they they kind of lucked into a win there. I, I think that they didn't really have a full on dominant, you know, ability with this Derrick Henry thing. I think they're still kind of struggling for a secondary piece on offense, and you know, m- maybe they can just fully lean in that run game. But I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to kind of repeat where they're at. Um, and then you know, we're kind of stuck on the bottom end of this. I mean. Uh, 
Chargers are trending downward with this Justin Herbert injury, and now they have, I mean, we already talked about the injury-prone Chargers over the years, and just, I mean, you don't want to assume that that's the way things are going to go, but it just seems to be the likelihood for some teams more than others. And, uh, you know, they had their left tackle kind of, I think he tore a pack or a bicep. He's out for the season. So they're starting to dismantle a little bit. Of course, you know, regardless of the uh, Justin Herbert, you know, lung or um, rib thing, they, they, we have all this stuff with the doctor and the punctured lung with Tyrod Taylor. So then there's that, you know, I mean, look, these are just little things that just kind of like sit around in this time period. And then we also had, I mean, we were already talking about uh, Brandon Staley and some of the criticism he was getting on not being able to make the playoffs last year with this talented roster. And now he's gaining more criticism from leaving Justin Herbert in the game when they, you know, couldn't have won that game. And, you know, look, that's just kind of the early onset, um, you know, parasitic nature of some, of some of these, you know, some of these fan bases. You know what I mean? The Raiders, for as ill, um, you know, for how limited our successes have been and how nauseating some of these uh you know imperfections are i mean it's it's so frustrating to watch just what do you what do you mean the play clock ran out what the hell's going on here i mean that's that's all the raiders mistakes what the hell's going on now you know what i mean so frustrating to watch and you know to our credit i will say that you know the raiders fan base is not attacking them i mean maybe to the detriment of Carr, it seems to be all like pushed onto him but it's just because you know look we're tired of these things not kind of coming true, and we don't need to go into that whole kind of, you know, issue of it. Um, look, the Raiders have a 16% chance now to make the playoffs. Um, if we go to, what, the the eighth spot here, um, we got Jacksonville at a 50%, Indy at 45 Tennessee at 45 uh, Baltimore 52 Denver 52 So that's kind of the middling ground there. Buffalo, Kansas City, Miami, you know, Buffalo's at 87% to make the playoffs. So, um, I mean, what is, what does this really mean right now? You know, nothing. If we, we can sort this by point score and now the Raiders even higher up on it. So Raiders on all the way down on likelihood to make the playoffs. This is just kind of more things to give us context here because, because the way these things are trending, what the division's starting to look like, look, the pits, the Steelers are still for some of their offensive struggles. Their defense is so good and they're, they're so well coached that they're going to be able to steal some games from some of these teams. Team, you know, really good teams are going to start losing some games that they should be winning. You know, I think we already kind of saw it this weekend with both the Chargers and Kansas City losing, which, look, we could have really made some substantial improvement here for our case in this division if we could have won last week. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I think we already know that. So, so there's perfect opportunity here for, you know, the Raiders to right this ship. And there's so much opportunity because all we need to do is start scoring a little bit more points offensively. I mean, I think that, you know, some of the debates and stuff with Carr, because he has, you know, kind of like these mid-tier um, – you know, stats is that Carr, I think, would benefit from trying to be the best quarterback in every single game he plays. You know, so what does the best quarterback look like? You know, I mean, we haven't even really talked yet about red zone efficiency, which I think this might be a good window to do it in kind of our closing segments for how how to close this episode and what we want to see on Sunday when we really look for, you know, hints or, you know, notions of improvement on the offense. We're going to talk about red zone efficiency we we had the opportunity to hear the um, the elusive Mick Lombardi um, o- o- earlier in the week, and you know he touched on some of the you know red zone efficiency, how that that is a cause of concern. He's he's happy that we are getting down there. This guy's got to be in the booth, right? He's 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 up there in his ivory tower, 
<laughs> watching the game. That that's what I'm thinking. This I you know this has only been like maybe the second interview I've watched with Mick Lombardi. Um, I'm starting to get a pretty good feel for the dude. I think he's pretty cool. He's he's a younger guy. Um, he went into a lot of statistics uh, in one of the other interviews I saw. So I think he's sort of an analytical guy. Um, talked pretty highly of Matt Collins. Uh, talked pretty highly of Alex Bars, who, who um, stepped up just as more of like uh, character guys for the team and just coming in through the practice squad and all these things and sort of like, you know, earning your way. Uh, really big on kind of like proving yourself and blocking and doing all these things as a way to prove yourself to get these plays called your way. I hope we're not trying to do that with uh, Devontae Adams. Um, he did address, you know, Patrick Sertain in that matchup and um, ways to kind of go around it. So, Look, I mean, a lot of potential in this game. Like we said, third down efficiency was 1 for 12, so that obviously we know needs to improve. Red zone efficiency needs to improve. The Raiders are right there on the cusp. We are very, very close to not only winning this game but turning this whole thing around and getting a lot of momentum going into the season. Even with all of the uh, you know problems and issues we've had with some of the efficiencies on this team going forward, I feel like we're consistently getting better i mean we're, we're cycling through some players from the practice squad you know we're we're finding the right mix of guys and eventually all this stuff's going to start locking in and it's going to start coming together in a way that i think is going to build a lot of excitement you know thanks again for uh listening to the show look uh like comment su- subscribe definitely you can do uh if you do a comment a five-star review i'll read the comment on the air uh we can start doing something like that um you can ask questions um well, well, yeah, we can open it up for that. We'll see how this thing goes. All right, guys, thanks again, and until next time, let's ride this wave.